40 years ago and two months roughly, uh, my wife and I started praying towards the next great awakening because of a mentor of ours named Dick Simmons. And Dick went through the, the history of the great revivals of the past and he challenged, challenged this little group to begin praying seriously for the next great awakening. So my wife and I did. We, we, did, we changed our daily schedule and we began to seriously pray towards another great awakening in the land. Um, and then 40 years passed of this kind of prayer and eight days later, here comes revival at Asbury University uh, on February 8th. It was January 31st, 1983 that we started that. And so looking back on his track record, you could say you started praying and your prayers caused revival to happen just 40 years and eight days later. But Carla and I are not saying that. And the reason for that is that we have come to have a real appreciation for the sovereignty of God. And that appreciation has come from something else God led us to do, which is to study the, the history of revivals over a long period of time. And we've come to appreciate that revival is not something that people do. It's something God does. God is responsible for revivals. We are not. Jesus is the king. We are not. And so revival is a, shall we say, a predestined thing that God decided he was going to do a long time ago and promised it in his word. And now he is the one who is in charge of when and where those revivals will happen. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of confusion about that. And the reason for the confusion is in a man named Charles Finney and what he said. Now, Finney was one of the most remarkable revivalists in the history of the world. And at, I think toward the end of his life, he said, you can have revival anytime you want if you're willing to pay the price. I'm, that's not a direct quote, but it's, it's kind of what Dick said in quoting Finney. <laughs> so I haven't traced that quote down exactly, but I know that Finney said something like that. And part of the reason is that um, Jonathan Goforth, who was another great revivalist who brought revival to China, um, he quoted Finney because Finney had made such a deep impression on his life so he repeated that basic idea that you can have revival anytime you're willing to pay the price. In other words, we do our part, God will do his part, and, and it's up to us to decide if we are willing to pay the price. Well, um, 
Ever since I started studying the revival historians, I discovered that revival historians have a different take on this. You can understand how these revivalists who were caught up in revival themselves and ministering that might say something like that to encourage others to do the same. <clears throat> but revival <coughs> historians look at the big picture and they see patterns that only God could create. Um, and they see the sovereignty of God in those patterns. And so I want to share with you some of those patterns that when you see them, it will protect you from, from catching a disease of taking credit for things that God is doing. <laughs> and that's something that we don't want to do. So uh, there are two patterns, and I'll speak of one of those next month, but this month I want to share with you the first of these two, which is times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord that God told us about through the Apostle Peter. Peter um, was uh, caught up in a move of the Spirit, a revival, and uh, uh, it began on, on the day of Pentecost. And you could, have, you could have drawn a conclusion that many Christians have come to that the day of Pentecost was kind of a one and done kind of thing. You know, God did it. Holy Spirit was poured out. Now we're done with those, those kinds of events. But no, Peter is still in this revival season. And uh, God chooses to heal a lame man at the gate beautiful. And, and then he turns to Peter, who is a totally uneducated fisherman. I mean, he has had no theological education whatsoever. He's walked with Jesus for three years. But then he received the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is speaking through Peter. So this is God telling the people what to do about this revival season that's happening, and all these miracles and things are, are, are showing the power of Jesus. So what does it mean? What does it all mean? And this is what uh, the Apostle Peter says about that, that they should repent so that times of refreshing can come from the presence of the Lord. That's Acts 3, 19. And, uh, and, and what he's describing here may seem just very casual, but it turns out this is God prophesying that there are going to be more seasons like the season that we associate with Pentecost. So times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. We call them revivals. I like to call them revival tides because they're times of refreshing from his presence and they repeat. So tides go out and then they come back in. They go out and then they come back in. And that is the way that revivals have been, at least for the last 500 years, beginning in Scotland and then continuing on. Uh, as Dick Simmons used to say, every 50 years or so. That was kind of his 
idea about them as he had studied the the history of revivals at the at the Library of Congress, and he had come to that conclusion every fifty years or so. Well, just look at at Asbury, for example. Um, we had uh, an Asbury revival in two thousand three, February eight, and it continues on. So I mean that that event is turning into an awakening. Uh, a, a local revival spreads and becomes by the power of God and the presence of the king who is doing something that he has decreed. You, do you get this? It's not because somebody was a great preacher or a great evangelist in Asbury and now people are learning from that person. Um, it's... It's a sovereign move of God now. But now go back 53 years. To 1970, there was an Asbury revival in exactly the same location, Hughes Auditorium. Same thing happened 53 years ago. Now you go back another 62 years to 1908, Asbury Revival, and a lot of, a whole generation of evangelists and people serving Christ, I think of uh, E. Stanley Jones, there's a whole generation that uh, were affected by that Asbury Revival. You go back 50 years past 1908, you end up at 1858, which was Another year of revival. You see, the revival goes out, the revival comes back in. And then you go back another 58 years. Beyond that, you have the Kentucky revival leading to the Second Great Awakening. And you go back beyond that to 1735, you have the Great Awakening. And you go back beyond that into Scotland, where all of this spread from, and you have seasons of revival that are exactly what Peter described in Acts 3.19, which are going to lead to the second coming of Christ, as he says in Acts 3.21. So there is a, a, a measure of the sovereignty of God. He is doing what he needs to do to lead us to a conclusion. And one of those things that he is doing is revival tides, times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. So, yes, God raises up prayer warriors, and he has to have kingdom prayer. He has to have a certain kind of prayer. So he calls people into that kind of prayer. And prayer is important. Prayer is necessary. He also needs evangelists, and, and he's calling people to be evangelists and disciple makers. Um, but the, the prayer warriors and the evangelists and the disciple makers are not causing the revival. Do you get this? It's Jesus commanding the revival as he's done many times before. And then he's commanding, he's 
calling people into these destinies so that the revival will succeed. You know, I, I wince a little bit when I hear people say, we're having revival this weekend, y'all come. Um, let's just say maybe, okay, that's a second use of the word revival. But I prefer the first use because it's describing a sovereign move of God. It's not a church program. It's a sovereign move of God in which the power and the presence of God come and become transformational to whole cities, whole countries, and eventually to the whole world.